This is the Podcast Inc. production. Booyah! This is the moment podcasting fans listening around the world have been waiting for. Coming to you not so live from a listening device of your choice. It's time! Podcasting out of this corner, a mixed martial talker, holding no professional record. He stands at six feet one and one half inches tall, weighing in at whatever he feels like, hailing out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, presenting the sometimes angry, always funny, Self-proclaimed podcasting champion of the world, Steve Fingerstyles! So, welcome to another rendition of the podcast. I am here once again, always again, and brought to you by First Row Collectibles. If you're into nerd culture, if you're into wrestling memorabilia, if you're into sports memorabilia, please visit firstrow.ca. Use promo code THEPODCAST20. You'll get 20% off. Everything on their website is in Canadian funds, so it's nice and cheap for all you international listeners because everyone knows the Canadian dollar is not the strongest, but hey, it is what it is. So they do ship worldwide. Best thing is they update daily. Like I said, it sets the appetite for all your nerd culture needs. They have comic books. They have wrestling figures, signed sports memorabilia. Anything you need or want, it is there. So please visit them at firstrow.ca. And if you're into video games and books, please visit bossfightbooks.com for great books on classic video games. You'll find titles like NBA Jam, Red Dead Redemption, Resident Evil, and so many others. Everything you see on their website is available in paperback and ebook format. So please check them out at bossfightbooks.com. If you're looking for the best supplements and CBD products, please visit LegacySubs.com and use promo code THEPODCAST to receive 10% off. They have everything from sleep aid to muscle building, anything you need or want to make you feel better. They got it. It's not only for athletes, it's for everyday people. It works. It's great. They are Legacy Sports Nutrition at LegacySubs.com. And lastly, if you want to support me monetarily... And directly, please visit my merchandise store at tpublic.com or scroll down on today's device you're listening to us on. It's embedded right there in the description. Click on that link. Takes you right to the merchandise store. I got everything from hoodies to t-shirts, travel mugs, anything you need or want, it is there. But the easiest thing, the most important thing, the best thing you should be doing for the podcast, if you haven't done it already, is please rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms, most specifically Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. So this week's guest has worked on 75 television series over his illustrious career. TV series such as Who's the Boss, Will and Grace, Married with Children, and most notably Seinfeld. Music composer extraordinaire, Mr. Jonathan Wolf. Thanks, Steve. It is an honor to be here on the podcast with you. Oh, no, the honor's all mine, my friend. Like, honestly, just 75 television series. Like, that is crazy and phenomenal. Now, one thing before I get into anything, did any of your work overlap? So were you working on any series at the same time as other ones? Or was it always just one at a time? You don't get 75 by doing them one at a time. Gotcha. So, yes, I was uh, generally, uh, I did between 10 and 12 series every week. And oh, some wow. se- seasons it was more than that. And some seasons was a little less than that. But that was generally what I did throughout my composing career, about 10 a, 10 a year. Did you ever get any of them confused and send the wrong file or music to the wrong show? <laughs> No. Okay. Can you imagine? It was always different. And I had very smart people working for me right. who prevented me from doing <laughs> ridiculous things like that. Remember, you also, when you're doing 75 series, when you're doing that many series sure. all together, I didn't get a lot of sleep. I could imagine, so, right? Such such mistakes 
could have happened if not for my very smart staff. That's awesome. Okay, so before we get any further, how did you get into music? How did you become a musician? Like, what was the starting roots of all this? When I was a kid, I tried building stuff. I built a little bike. Okay. But it crashed into a tree and sank into a puddle. Oh, no. Music it is. (laughs) (laughs) No, I was just never any good at anything else. I was always the music kid from my earliest recollections. I was always playing music, and as a kid, I'd you know stop in at pawn shops and pick up used instruments, and sure. uh, that's just what I did. And my although there were no musicians or artists of any kind mm-hmm. in my family, I was raised in a regular working class family in Kentucky. Okay, although I was kind of an oddball in the family, they were supportive. Nice. And I got really, really good training. They took me to lessons, and I trained with some excellent professors at the university. Oh. I got conservatory training. Nice. Uh, I was, at a very young age, in Louisville, Kentucky, able to gain valuable professional experience as a musician mm-hmm. that I would not have been able to get in a larger market if i was in chicago or new york sure. or atlanta or la a 14 year old couldn't have been doing the studio work but because at the time louisville kentucky was a rather small pond mm-hmm. it was easy for me to gain that experience and gain that oh. reputation and i made a lot of mistakes young sure. and that helped me grow faster did that answer your question no of course it did no that was awesome now how about this uh- the amount of instruments you play. What did you start off with? How many can you play? What's some of your favorites? Well, two of those answers are the same. Okay. I started off on piano. Okay. And what do I play now? Piano. Yeah. <laughs> um, in between, I, I have no idea how many instruments I learned to play. It was just kind of a thing that I did. And it made me a better orchestrator a better composer for orchestras and other instruments that I could actually perform the instruments myself if I needed to, if I wanted to. Mm -hmm. Um, And it got me good at reading the weird clefts and uh, sight transposing, Mm -hmm. uh, which you have to do when you're playing lots of different instruments, and which made me a better accompanist. Because as a studio accompanist, you have to be able to play anything you read in any key on site. That's what I figured. If you're going to work in L.A. Right. Um, so though that kind of multi-instrumental upbringing really served me well after I moved to L.A. I was 17 years old mm-hmm. when I moved to L.A. Kind of like, remember when Harry Potter turned 17 and he had to leave to go someplace? Sure. I, so did I. <laughs> I was I was drawn, I was lured, enticed wow. to LA. And so I went. No, that's awesome again. And for people who don't know, learning music and reading music is like learning another language, but it's all different language and you have to learn that and to know everything is like learning like 20 languages, like you know what I mean? And it's it's crazy how people like yourself can read like like, I thought I was a good guy. I, I took music in, in high school. So I'm able to read music, but like at a very basic level. Like, you know what I mean? So reading all this music, it's like, wow, man. Like, how do you keep all that in your brain? Like, you must lose something. <laughs> I retired in 2005. I've lost a lot. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but while I was working and working a lot, um, I used those muscles Every hour of every day. So uh, it was easy to maintain those strengths. And before I had earned the title of full-time composer, mm-hmm. I worked in a lot of different capacities for the studios. Like I said, when I got there, I was 17, and mm-hmm. the studios were happy to have a Swiss Army multi-purpose utility tool for musical chores. Whatever the job was, if it was even remotely related to music, if it smelled like music, Mm -hmm. I took that job. And that was how I developed a reputation and met people and developed relationships 
the folks in the music departments at the studios knew me mm-hmm. uh, as a utility guy. And I played on a lot of sessions for other composers. I orchestrated. I conducted yeah. for them. It was a really wonderful introduction to L.A. Mm-hmm. to be so busy doing so many things. And just at a certain point, I, I recognized that while I was busy and I was working a lot and making tons of money, mm-hmm. that was not a well-managed career. Mm. I, 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 every day, the phone would ring and tell me where to go and what to do when I got there. Yeah. I had no control over my assignments, what they were, and more oh. importantly, no idea where my career was headed mm-hmm. because I was a slave to whatever other people told me to do. So eventually, mm-hmm. I started reading books about how to start a business and how to have employees and do payroll okay. and real estate, all that. And an important component of business is a business plan. Mm-hmm. I had no business plan, Steve. Oh, man. So I had to come up with a business plan. Okay. And one thing I had to look at is, of all these jobs I'm doing, mm-hmm. what I really want? Which one would I pick to do for real? And because some of those chores that I did during those first 10 years of my career in L.A., some of those chores involved songwriting mm-hmm. and composing. Oh, okay. You know, doing one-off, writing a song for a movie or, you know, writing a dance number for a TV show or whatever. And sure. I really liked it. Okay. I really liked doing that. I liked the muscles that it exercised. I liked that it used a lot of different skills that I had acquired. And I particularly liked that I earned royalties when it broadcast. Of course. So after 10 years, I started a business. I sold everything I owned. I owned two houses full of gear, studio equipment, all this stuff. Yeah. I had, I sold it all and bought a commercial building on Burbank Boulevard in Burbank, California, wow. right in the heart of Studio District. Right. Right in the heart of where all these folks I wanted to work with. And I sent letters. Okay. Now, this was before there was emails. So these course. were letters <laughs> with envelopes and stamps. Yeah. To all these people who had been so kind and generous and supportive, who had faith in my abilities, confidence in my professionalism, I sent them letters saying, thank you Mm. for everything you've done for me and for trusting me with those assignments. Now, stop that. Hmm. I'm a composer. Trust me with your composing assignments. Here's my address of my new company. Nice. Let's do business. Smart. Then I held my breath because <laughs> I may have just nuked everything. Right. <laughs> the last 10 years of my life scorched earth. But that's not what happened is wow. these letters arrived in their, in their destinations all over Hollywood. People shrugged and said, wow, that's too bad. He's a good utility guy. Mm. Okay. And they started hiring me. Good. For their writing assignments. It started slowly, and I did some really terrible, mm-hmm. terrible TV series as the composer at first. Sure. If you look at my credits, those first few years, it's like a, a long death list of <laughs> failed show titles. I was like the Kevorkian of network TV. But still... <laughs> I didn't mind. It. it was a start. It got me in there, and I met people. And every time I yeah, yeah. did a series with some producer and director that was a failure, it's mm-hmm. okay because I knew that that relationship was going to arc beyond that loser of a show, and they'd come back Absolutely. and hire me again. Smart. And that is how my composing career started. So now, before that, did you always want to become a composer? Or like you said, did you want to be a conductor? What about even being in a band? Was it always the goal to get to Hollywood? I was in a lot of bands. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I recorded with a lot of bands. I did concert tours. Uh, And like I said, for for 10 years, I did just about everything possible that a musician could do. Mm. In fact, for three of those years, this, this is crazy, but for three of those years... I figured out that I could 
do Vegas acts. Oh. Yeah. There, okay. there's, it's a thing in Hollywood that Hollywood is a union town. Sure. And if any combination of powerful production unions, the Teamsters, directors, actors, writers, any of them, mm-hmm. have a contract that's up for renewal at the same time as another union, well, it's a perfect storm for uh, work slowdown or even a strike. And that happened occasionally right? where the industry would just be shut down for strikes every few years. And I would take my thimble full of talent and my bag of skills and I'd go out of town. I'd go on the road and do concert tours. And really? I, I started doing conducting concert tours for Vegas acts where I would. Uh, cool. And then the strike would end. But I kind of liked making the money. Sure. And I was young. <laughs> I was ni- 19 when this started. Oh, man, so, 19 in Vegas. So, That's awesome. Yeah. So I, I would I would conduct the early show. Sure. In between, I'd write whatever I needed to write for the next day, conduct the late show, maybe take a nap or maybe stay up writing, get on the 6 a.m. flight from Vegas to Burbank. I kept a car at both places. Okay. I would work all day in the studios. My God. Recording whatever I'd written the day the night before, and then get on the 7 p.m. flight back to McCarran. Wow. Conduct the early show. I did this every day. For three years. That's crazy. I had two full-time careers going, but like I said, I was young. I didn't need to sleep. Um, And the happy ending to this story is, Mm -hmm. you're wondering, why am I telling you all this stuff? Oh, I love it. Uh, Two of my Vegas acts Uh were Diana Ross and Tom Jones. Wow. Both excellent acts. Of course. They're their opening act, they shared mm-hmm. an opening act. Oh, okay. A brilliant comedian mm-hmm. named George Wallace. Okay. I call him Saint George. Saint George. George and I made buddies. Mm-hmm. We would, I'd write him little songs for his act and he'd sing them and I'd come out before, I wasn't working for George, I was working for the main act, but I'd come out and accompany him on piano and when he was in L.A. and I was in L.A., I'd go to the comedy clubs with him and we'd mm-hmm. do his songs. And it was it was fun and we made friends. Many years later, it turns out wow. that Jerry Seinfeld yeah. in real life okay. has a best friend named George. Right. It's George Wallace. What? Yeah. George Wallace and Jerry Seinfeld have been friends forever. George says, That's "Yeah, I, yeah, I, I was best man in his wedding. Oh, I wow. fathered his children. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a joke." Um, <laughs> so George recommended me to Jerry Seinfeld, and that is how uh... I became the composer for Seinfeld. Oh, wow. That's awesome. So, yeah, let's get right into it with Seinfeld, of course, because that's what obviously you're no, most notably known for. So you, you just said how you got the opportunity there. Now, the main theme itself, obviously, that was all you. How did you come up like with from the bass to the cymbals to the my favorite is like the I can't even do it like the like at the end. Like that's this? There it is. Yes. Like that? That's awesome. Yes. Thank you. How'd you come up with all this stuff? Like, it's so <laughs> iconic now, looking back. Well, so Jerry called me and described to me the opening credits to his new show, right. which at the time was called the, the Seinfeld Chronicles. Yes. And he told me that it was going to be Jerry Seinfeld standing in front of a club and an audience in a club he'd tell mm-hmm. jokes and people would laugh and he wanted signature quirky theme music to go with it and on the phone in that first conversation i said jerry that sounds like a recipe for audio conflict because oh, okay. at the time late 80s yeah theme music was melodic yeah a lot of silly lyrics and sassy saxophones and mm-hmm. guilty I created a lot of that kind of music, dude. Right, but that's but, what was in. But but it, I knew it wasn't going to work Okay. in this case because sure. we really needed to hear his human voice telling jokes. So sure. I pitched to Jerry. 
Okay. How about to go along with the human organic nature of your voice, mm-hmm. how about if I use human organic sounds that my mouth and lips can make? Right. And I can create kind of a percolating percussive current. Right. It will kind of add energy and percolate and give electric vibe underneath you. How about that? He goes, how does that work? Come on over. It was a Saturday, by the way, when he called. So Mm -hmm. my office was, nobody was there. I was there by myself. Come on over. I'll show you how sampling works. Because at the time, sampling was in its infancy. Right. And I really wanted to use that technology more. Okay. It just called to me to that oh this could be something really cool. Sure. Sampling. <laughs> so he came over, I showed him how to do it, and right. I, I said, you know how for a more musical element, mm-hmm. you know how in the old vaudeville routines the drummer would hit yeah. rim shots yeah, and jokes. Yeah. Kind of signal and move move the routine along. Mm-hmm. I can do that. Let's use I think it would work well to use like a slap bass. Mm. It'll be a bass. It'll be a notes in frequencies that don't interfere mm-hmm. with your higher human voice. So mm. they won't be fighting for bandwidth. And I can create a bass line so simple, so basic so sophomoric mm-hmm. that it won't even it will not require meter it will not require four bars beats to the bar and it'll still hold water right. so i created that that base line that could stop and start to make allowances for the stops and starts and timings and pauses and ah. maybe the physical antics he did during his monologue sure. and i created for each monologue mm-hmm a bespoke unique recording of this of these Seinfeld elements so that the length of the overall monologue and the timing of the jokes and the slap bass rim shots would work seamlessly with each of his monologues. Mm -hmm. I knew that that was going to cause me extra work Mm. for every episode. Sure. But I thought it was worth it to really kind of elevate those monologues that were such a weird, unique part of the show. Right. And to be honest, there were only four episodes. The initial order? Yeah, that's right. Four episodes. That's not an order. That's an insult. Oh, my God. My entire career, for for those 10 years before I was a composer, right. and I worked on hundreds, hundreds, not hyperbole, of series. Yeah, yeah. And my 75 after I was a composer. Yeah. Never in my entire career did I hear about an order of four episodes. I know, four. At least like 12 or 10, right? Four. Yeah, yeah, come on. Um, So I didn't, I knew that I was going to have to do the monologues by hand each time. And this is before there were timing computers for this. Sure. Uh, But there were only four episodes, so what the heck? They're going to burn them off in June sometime. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we all thought. So that is how. That's a long answer to your short question, no, buddy. I I, I'm sorry about that. No, I love and, 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 and that like how you, that all came down. No, and like how you said, every, every episode had like its own sort of twist to the theme song. Like that was, I guess, unique for that time because everyone would just open with the same theme all the time. There would be no sort of called remix or redubbed or like you said for yeah. whatever. Like even from the first episode, like you said, like the the Seinfeld Chronicles to what it ended up morphing into. It's 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 the same, but it's different, right? Yeah, I, I, I was happy about that. And my bass sound right. also evolved over time. It became more nasal, and I tinkered with right. yeah. uh, you know, phase manipulation and EQ and gain staging so that I could do fun stuff like this. Love it. like that exactly oh that is so cool and that's awesome to hear from the person who actually created i I still like i'm still happy with it you know there are a lot of shows i did where i could look back and go right "Mm, i don't love it i don't love what i did but seinfeld i'm happy about 
No, and and as you should, of course. And it's, well, you brought up sampling. Has anyone sampled the bass or anything from the Seinfeld theme oh, in a song of theirs? It's, it's possibly the most sampled thing. Really? I haven't uh, heard anything though. You haven't heard about all these these uh, mashups? No. Oh, this is new to me, man. And I'm a huge Seinfeld fan. I've never heard of this. Yeah, just at some point, take a <laughs> okay. Do I a will. search of do a search of. Seinfeld mashups, Seinfeld theme mashups, and it's just crazy. I, you know, they, some of them are good, right. some of them are terrible. I mean, the, the, <laughs> they can all uh, be great. Yeah, they can't all be perfect, but some of them I, I kind of really like. You know, the Kendrick Lamar, really the King Kunte. Okay, oh, yeah, it's a cool mashup. Oh my goodness! Um, okay, I for sure have to check this out then. Once there's a notorious B.I.G. Shut up! Oh, the, yeah, the Limp Biscuit. Oh Fred god. Durst okay. has one. Oh my god! Okay, know, it's pretty cool. How did I not know of this? There, there, there are a bunch of Kanye West ones. <laughs> Even I better, love Kanye and Sanye, and um, there's a Disturbed one. There's a Radiohead. Oh shit! My so, iron lung. That one never worked for the evanescence. Evanescence. Wake me up inside. Oh, I don't love that one. Uh, there's even there's an o, an ODB. <laughs> oh, dirty bastard! Beautiful. Okay. There's the Ice Ice Baby <laughs> oh mashup. It's just it's, it's just ridiculous. There's um there's and there's another weird internet practice that popped up. Right. Seinfeld music mm-hmm. placed into. Serious, dramatic movies and TV shows. I mean, people will post like a very serious death scene on Shit, Game of yeah. Thrones or something. And then they'll play the Seinfeld music just to juxtapose. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't understand it. Right. But uh, it makes me smile. I'm just happy that people still are having fun with this theme that I wrote 30 plus years ago. I know. it. Uh, now that you say it, it feels like a lifetime ago almost. So yeah, so look, 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 in answer to your question, yeah, people sample my stuff a lot. Now, not none of them are licensed and authorized, but I'm happy that it is not my job to police that. <laughs> right? Can you imagine? Holy shit! And I'm my job. And no my job. And you mentioned before too, you were on set for every single episode. No. Oh, okay. I thought I read that somewhere. No, I, I was on set when there was something musical going on. Oh, okay. Maybe and that's I had what reason I to be there. Uh, but, I, you know, I, I had all these other shows. I couldn't be hanging out on one particular set. But, yeah, when there was, for example, there was the episode when Mel Torme sang yeah. to, to Kramer. Mm-hmm. And, of, of course, I went down to the set and I played piano to a company nice the golden fog right. that was kind of fun that's cool and when out for the pez dispenser oh okay george was dating a concert pianist yes and man okay occasionally i was glad for my conservatory training because that was one time when i could actually put it to use so i was the pianist for that right so when when it was appropriate for me to be there of course i showed up but otherwise, my time is better spent in my studio creating new music. Yeah, of course. No, most definitely. That makes complete yeah, sense. I, mean, I probably showed up down there for the John Germain, hmm? for the Rye, when, he, when you remember the jazz sax player? Yes, of course. I just pro- I just showed up to make sure that the playback and the on-screen musicians oh, and stuff okay. all looked, looked okay. Uh, but for the most part, I was not on set. Mm. And I assume you're a, a Seinfeld fan just in general of the show as itself, correct? So much time and distance has passed since those Seinfeld years that mm. now I view the show and the music differently. Oh. Now I, I'm kind of a fan like you. I can That's actually awesome. just sit and watch the show and enjoy the show. Okay. So, yeah, I'm I'm a fan. Sometimes mm-hmm. I, I, I troll into those... Seinfeld Instagram account. Sure. Add my two cents. <laughs> oh, that's cool. <laughs> you know, I'll say something like, uh, I don't know, you magnificent bastard. <laughs> <laughs> you glorious titwillow. 
Yeah, Seinfeld is just one of those shows that will last almost like an, an eternity, I think, in my opinion. Well, mind you, I was there growing up while watching it, so I watched it live when it was aired. So maybe that adds a little bit of nostalgia factor to it as well. But it's well, just one of those things that you could just watch over and over and not get sick of. It's, I don't know, to well, me, well, it's top it, 10 for sure. Isn't that neat? And as a royalty earner, oh, I'm of course. happy for all of that. Of course. Now, the one thing I want to know, now, being a Seinfeld fan as well, everyone's split on the finale. What's your take on the finale? Did you enjoy it? Do you think it was perfect way to end off the show? Well, yes, we got mixed reviews on it. Uh, I was happy because it was a, a lot of stuff for me in that show. I could imagine, I know. Yeah, I mean, for example, all right, Different. Some people don't love the finale, but here's one thing that everybody agrees with. Okay. That it was fun mm-hmm. to see all of our old favorite guest cast. And that's why I loved it. Yep. Grabbing their suitcase <laughs> towards the trial. There it is. I got to throw in on that. And the other montage that was fun for me that showed a lot of those guest cast while they were waiting for the verdict. Yes. (laughs) There was some funny bits in there. Like the soup Nazi made soup for everybody. Yes, I know. (laughs) Poppy asked for a little bit of salt on it. He took the soup away. Those are for (laughs) you. Classic. So that was that was kind of a, a fun little assignment for me. So yeah, I, I enjoyed working on that episode. You know, just because I got to throw in a lot. Yeah, exactly. And well, speaking of you're saying royalties and having the music out there, you recently last year dropped Seinfeld original television soundtrack on Spotify. And people could go listen to all... Now, is every single song that you composed on that track list or were some omitted from it? You're kidding, right? I I don't don't know how music works and how copyright (laughs) stuff works. I have no idea. 180 episodes, nine years. No. I I had to. That was my hardest part. Was deciding what to keep and what not to keep. Only music that was featured audio... That played a memorable role in the comedy and is instantly recognizable Mm -hmm. as an identifying signature for a famous Seinfeld scene made it onto the Seinfeld soundtrack album. Oh, that makes complete sense. Those those were the those were the criteria that I set up for myself. And there was a lot of cool music that just didn't make it, but I wasn't out to make a, a an album of cool music. I mean, a lot of soundtrack albums are important, momentous achievements of musical grandeur. Nah, there's none of that right. on the Seinfeld <laughs> album. It's for fun. Yes, You're supposed to is. have a Seinfeld party and crank it up loud. You're supposed to make your, oh, your, you your, your own, I don't know, rock video music. That's right, with Kramer and <laughs> the wig. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, with the bad wig that fell off. <laughs> Which was probably not planned, and I and that's what I loved about Seinfeld. Oh, a lot I of the know, stuff, you, who knows? you mean, know, I, was not planned. That That's what I, that's the thing about the album, is that it's fun. It's supposed to bring yeah. back happy <laughs> memories. Of course. Of, of certain things. The exception is, you know, in the, in the final episode of The Ride. Right. We hear very little of John Germain's jazz mm. uh, because, you know, the script changed and whatever, and sure. it ended up on the floor. But I had created serious, long, extended versions oh, wow. of that jazz music, obviously recorded before John Germain added to his repertoire. Right. Because he couldn't blow his, <laughs> he lost his amateur at the end. Yep. Um, <laughs> Happens to the best of them. Yeah. <laughs> so, so there are a couple of these pieces on the on the album. Oh, that's so awesome! Yeah. So we get to hear what John Germain actually 
would have sounded like in the club on the album. And I'm kind of hoping that people will, I don't know, have fun. And, and they do. I get a lot of people who send me um, videos okay. of them on a sofa, shirtless, <laughs> with this music Oh, on. my God. Of course. Oh, my God. George's Feel the Beat. Oh. You are a lover boy. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, that's kind of the long answer to your question oh. there, Fingerstyle, that if it was important to the episode. Right, right. Then I considered it for the record. And, and then there were some that were just too much fun. You know, like Jerry chasing Newman through the building. That's right. <laughs> In the soulmate. That was that was just too much fun and such a nice memory of, of a wacky scene, you know, with Wayne and Jerry. Right. That I, I had to include that. Now, chase scenes mm-hmm. became a recurring comedy trope. Right. Yeah, you're right. On Seinfeld, and I was yeah. always part of that because I scored them as if they were real cinematic action yeah, yeah. movie chases. So, uh, and I couldn't include all of them. No, it's but true. I picked. I think my two favorites are on there. The Cable Guy. Yes. Jason Kramer. The infamous Cable Guy. Oh, that episode. Everyone's gone through that. (laughs) Yeah, it's just funny. That's my plan is to make people giggle when they hear the music because it reminds them of, you know, that scene with you know Walter and Michael that was just <laughs> so funny yeah I, I think of that and I you know we lost Walter not too long ago right. so in fact we there's a number of our Seinfeld family who we've I lost know. especially in the last last year or so, so but the, that's in answer to your question that that's how I chose I think okay. there was different categories of music for example there was another comedy trope on mm. Seinfeld movie pastiche scenes oh. you know where we we uh, made fun of or we mimicked movies yes there was and sometimes Rochelle usually, Rochelle <laughs> well yeah well that's that was a movie that we created that was an entirely fictitious production which is another entire category of music oh music for fake productions like you know, that's like, true first of all, that is the, yeah. let, let's stick with movies for a second okay, go for it, this go one for it. Elaine travels in the Burmese jungle to find Peterman. Yes. And the scene itself is so weird, so strange, so surreal, that I took it all the way and used weird, odd instrumentation to create this netherworldly, surreal universe that they were in. That was kind of fun for me that I got to throw in like that. I, exactly. I think one other movie pastiche made it onto the record. In the end of the Cadillac. Yes. When Morty Seinfeld leaves. Yep. The impeached, disgraced <laughs> president's home with regal <laughs> dignity. <laughs> And I treated it seriously. I know. Because if he's the president of the United States, did something yeah, horribly like he's, wrong. Like he's fixing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that's some good stuff, man. Thank you. So that that it, I felt that those oh. reminded people yeah. of fun. Now you mentioned. Uh, Rochelle, Rochelle, which yeah. is another category. That's that's the uh, 
you know, fake productions. In fact, in fact, yes, I did do music for Rochelle Rochelle, the movie, and okay. you hear it in the movie theater. Yeah, yeah. But it's not featured. You hear voiceover yeah, over that's it. That's true. So I, I, it did not make the cut. But what did make the cut? Mm-hmm. Rochelle Rochelle, the musical. The musical, yes. Yes. That's right. Larry called me one day. Yeah. And he told me that, you know, I need to, there, there, there's no opening monologue for this. Well, I remember, because that was when the opening monologues ended. Yes. So no monologue. So that's the last I need you to couple create seasons, yeah. the opening song for Rochelle, Rochelle the Musical. Okay. Like, cool. Happy to do it. <laughs> and uh, I said, it's an opening number, dance singing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like an opening musical. Yeah. And, I, and I said, okay, how long do you want, how long are you going to commit you know, time for this opening number. Do you want to last a minute or two minutes? What do you want? Right. He goes, oh, it doesn't matter. The the, 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 the understudy is going to be too weepy to finish the first line. <laughs> That's awesome. So I created it knowing that no one was ever going to hear right. the, the whole thing. So it was fun to create these fake themes for fake productions. Hey, this one won a fake Tony Award. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember the name of that fake production? No, I don't. That's a good trivia question. Scarsdale Surprise. There it is. <laughs> so, you know, that's as close as that piece of music is ever going to get to the real Tony Awards. <laughs> yeah. So it was fun. And some of them were they, were, they went to movies a lot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Movie that's true. So I created the soundscape. These are movies that were heard, right? But not seen, of course. Movies like Death Blow. Oh yes, the infamous Cry, Cry Again, and you know. So I would, you know, create serious, cinematic action movie, dramatic music. for these movies and sometimes they were really featured you you were sitting in the movie theater watching them so they made the album of course oh my very favorite Mm. my very favorite of our of our uh, fake productions let's see I don't now I'm starting to doubt myself I don't I'm thinking oh you know what it was my favorite, but I don't think it made it onto the record. Oh. Because it was not really featured audio. Larry was speaking over it, Flaming Globes of Sigmund. Oh, that one, yes. Oh, my it's God. It's so funny. Larry's wearing, you know, like a aluminum foil yes, space suit. Exactly. <laughs> it's like a the planets are on fire. So I did this... This terrible B movie. That's the other thing. It was terrible music. Yeah, yeah. This awful B music sci-fi underscore for it. So um, no, that one did not go. And the other thing that happened as the show got older is mm-hmm. there was silly moments. Oh, of course. For example, here's a here's a fake production. Remember, I said that music in the late '80s was kind of silly and yep. dopey and happy and generic. Of course. Yes. Jerry! Can can do. <laughs> With that saxophone, of course, man. You gotta have it. Yeah. So, Larry Charles. Larry Charles, I ran into him in, in the hallway, and we'd been doing this, this arcing storyline about a pilot, you know, yeah. the pilot, the Jerry Show pilot. Mm-hmm. And I'd, I'd, someone had told me, you know, we're going to actually have to make a main title of this. So I saw Larry Charles and I asked him, what do you got in mind? Yeah, yeah. What are you thinking? And he just said, everything that the Seinfeld theme is not. <laughs> it's happy, dopey, silly, stupid, generic, Miller Boyette on Friday night theme music. <laughs> I went, 
you got the right guy for that. <laughs> <laughs> so that that was kind of fun. And then there was there was there were moments like I'm so glad that you're a scientist. I hope your listeners are not bored to death. Oh no, I'm tell uh, even if they are, I don't care. I'm enjoying myself. Too bad, listeners. How about, how about do you remember this moment? Jesus is one. Oh. Jesus is all. What's this from? Oh my Jesus. god. Oh my god, what episode is this? It's the song that Elaine is very surprised to hear okay. coming out of Putty's car radio when she borrowed his car. Oh my I, god. I created a few different religious music. I was going to say, yes. Music things for it, and she kept Because she kept flipping the channels yeah, to yeah. see, what's the deal with this? Putty's religious? <laughs> and so I created that, the... Uh, <laughs> The, the singer is my stalwart music editor for, I don't know, 19 years, something like that. Yeah. Um, Jack Diamond. Uh, everyone at my office wore multiple hats, and Jack sang on a lot of my stuff because he's right. a great singer. And I got to do that. And then there was bad music. I spent a lot of years on Married with Children, where my job was usually to create bad music, okay. as long as it was funny. I'm a they huge. This is like I said. This is perfect because my second favorite probably show of all time is. Well, no, sorry. My top three I'll have to say is Seinfeld, The Office, and Married with Children. I admire your taste. Those are really <laughs> well written shows, well crafted shows, well produced shows. Yeah, Married with Children. In fact, my first assignment okay. on Married with Children. Uh, it was supposed to be a one time assignment. I was just mm. brought in to write a song. That's it. Oh wow. It, it was the era of We Are the World, which... Oh, no, you wrote that one? The I wrote We Are the Old. Yes, right. We Are the Old. Oh, my God. That is classic. <laughs> yeah, I can't play that one for you because right. I don't have permission for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People it Google it. It was so funny to, you know, <laughs> and, and Richie Havens and John Sebastian and Spencer Davis and Robbie Krieger and you know, like all these rock legends. Yes. These are guys who are all at Woodstock. I know, right? Yeah, but now they're they're you know they'll work for scale because some of them are broke. Sure. <laughs> so that's what I wrote this song about. <laughs> it was brutal. It that's was one of awful. My favorites. It was a terrible song, and the Married with Children folks loved it. Yes. It was just so awful. Um, and there was, I, I'm not going to name names just because it's it's rude, but it was a Monday through Friday show. Mm -hmm. So Monday morning, I showed up to teach these legends, these rock gods, right. this silly song that I wrote for them to sing. Oh, and everybody's wow. laughing, and yeah. I wrote, you know, you know, we really need the money. Our accountants took it all, and <laughs> alimony, That's, and yes. our bursitis pills, and you know, just... <laughs> Have gingivitis. It's just awful stuff. But why they need money? Please send money right. um, for this telethon video. Like we are the world, yeah, we yeah. are the old. And everybody's <laughs> laughing and thinking it's so funny, except for one guy. Oh no, he's getting all upset. Okay, I got sick. This is about this bloody. It's not about no, this. Is about my life. <laughs> this is my story. Oh my god! Not funny. No. And, and, you know, the guys around, and I remember very clearly Richie Havens was sitting on one side of him, okay. and John Sebastian was sitting on the other side of him, and they both said, dude, we're all here. Right. It's funny. Exactly. It's, it's not about you. It's that we all did that. Oh, my God. And he just couldn't get over it. So, and I don't know, this is my first job on Married with Children. I don't know. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a tourist there. Wow. So I, I said, let's take a little break. Okay. And I went over to the wall, because that's where phones used to be, yeah, yeah. and I called the, the front office and I said, look guys, this may be above my pay grade, but can we let this guy go? He doesn't get the joke. Mm -hmm. And they said, absolutely. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, we'll pay him for the week. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, send him home. And then we did the whole episode, and everybody had a great time. Everyone, right. you know, because those guys had such a good spirit and good attitude. And this, of course, was my first meeting with Ed O'Neill and the rest of them. Awesome. And I, so it was my job to, to go up to Ed and say, okay, right. I wrote this song. Here's a, here's a CD of a demo of it for you. And by the way, there's an instrumental section, which you will play the solo on a pastrami song. Yes. <laughs> 
and he simply nodded. <laughs> what a pro. Oh. That was not weird for him at all. He didn't ask, well, how am I supposed to do that? You know, what do you mean? Right. He just he just nodded. He totally got it. That so awesome. that was my that was my introduction to now everyone had such a good time and we all got along that right. at the end of the week the execs just said can we put you on our cruise sheet permanently? Uh, you know, yeah. So I was on the show till the end of its run for the next, I don't know how many years. Yeah. Uh, no, it, that it was kind of fun. Again, it's not good music. And occasionally on Seinfeld, I got to write bad music like this. Oh, my God. This is so annoying. I, You know what? Maybe because I'm Canadian, I hate anything with a banjo in it. It just irritates oh, me. Thank you. Uh, I understood the assignment, apparently. <laughs> See, there you uh, go. You're good at what you do. Do you remember the scene for it? Vaguely. The Peterman reality bus tour. And this is the music that he, he played on his little boombox. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was just awful, so I had to in- include that. Um so yeah, it was a it was a fun job for me. There is one piece of music on the soundtrack album okay. that I did not write. Oh, really? Yeah, and I, I, when I first before I dealt with the record company, mm-hmm. I dealt with the lawyers, sure, just so they could do all the legal stuff on it. And okay, so I okay. turned in my playlist. Yeah, and the lawyers said, "Well, what what about what about George's answering machine?" And I was going to bring that up because that's so infamous, obviously. Yeah. And I said, I didn't write that. Oh. That's the theme song to a TV show called The Greatest American Hero. Oh, is it? Okay. So it's not an original. Okay. Yeah. I didn't write that song. So. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> I said, if you, re- I agree with you that it meets the criteria. Right. It, it, it was featured audio. It played a memorable role in the comedy. And it's instantly recognizable and it identifies that scene. Yeah. You hear that and automatically you think about George eating popcorn and shrugging his shoulders. Right. <laughs> Love and it. I said, you're the lawyers. You make it happen. You work it out with the Greatest American Hero lawyers. Right. And I'm happy to put my instrumental tra- I created the instrumental track. Right, right. That Jason sang along with. Ah, um, okay. And we'll include that. And then people, when they buy the album, can make their own voicemail message using my instrumental track. But you're making up words in them themselves. So, oh, so I get sent a lot of those. So people smart. singing, believe it or not, Steve isn't at home. <laughs> Please leave a message. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, for me, it, it's... Uh... Oh, there it is. Believe it or not, I did not write this song. It's on the soundtrack. Anyway. Love it. Buy it and write your own words to this song. Better than mine. Believe it or not, Love it. You get the idea. Of course. So that that's on there just for fun and it's oh. a good example of how not serious this record is and how I just want people to have fun with the record. So I appreciate you bringing it up. I'm sorry to blather and prattle no. about it, but this is so I'm awesome. really proud of it and it, of course, it's as a you nice, should. It brings up warm fuzzies for me of my 9 years. On Seinfeld. No, of course. Now, here's here's one thing. As a, as a compo- well, a, a retired composer, nowadays theme songs are either like non-existent or just throwaways. Not like how it was in the '90s, '80s, or even up into the early 2000s. Why do you think that is, or is it just the attention span? They just they don't even want an, an introduction. Get right to the scene. I know exactly. I was oh. there when it happened. Okay. Um, there was. I worked for her after this, by the way. Okay. Uh, Diane English. Uh, I became her composer, but not for this show. It was uh, Murphy Brown. Oh, of course. That she created, and she tried something new. Okay. Cold open. Yeah. No opening theme. Exactly. Boom. Show starts. And it was a big hit. Mm. And the networks, and Hollywood is kind of a copycat town. Ooh, they did that. Me too. Yep. Um, so the success of Murphy Brown had a lot of people doing cold opens or very Ah, short title cards. Exactly. And uh, the networks came down. The first one to do it uh, was ABC. Okay. uh, And he he just said, 
no themes. You got seven seconds. Mm. So um, that's what it was. And it's it's all good. It exercises different muscles. Right. You need to speak cleanly and clearly. And if you want to create an identifying signature, a sonic brand mm-hmm. for a show, you need to do it quickly. And you don't get 60 seconds to do it in. So I developed those skills pretty quickly, and I did a bunch of those quick like Will and Grace started off as one of those. There you go. That's true. Yeah. Just really, really quick piano thing. And then we, we grew, the main title grew a little longer as we developed more clout. Right. But I remember uh, I, I did a lot of shows for Ted, for Tony Danza. Okay. After Who's the Boss. Mm-hmm. I, I became his music guy. Nice. And one of those series was during this time after Ted Harbert had decreed for ABC no themes mm-hmm. and tony who was it was a really strong producer by the way i don't know how many series i did for him but he okay. called me and said the theme for this it should be romantic but not a love song oh. it should be like a standard something you feel like you've heard over and over again okay okay so i wrote a very short little song that sounds like you've heard it a zillion times and since the show has no legs whatsoever, I don't think anyone's going to mind if I sing, People say that love will stay, maybe today's the day. And then you're in the show. Yeah, okay. You know, it's about love, but it's yeah, not a love song. Exactly. It's, it's hopeful, maybe today's the day. Exactly. Um, and it's reminiscent of another song that says, it's very clear, our love is here to stay. Mm-hmm which I did not write, obviously. Okay. Um, but it's it's evocative of that. So That's Tony cool. calls me. He loves it. He just loves it. He says, i got to okay. hear the rest of the song. I said, Tony, that's it. You know the rule. Seven seconds. Yeah. <laughs> you're killing me, pal. That's awesome. I love you, but you're killing me. I need to hear the rest of the song, please. Yeah. So I said, for you, Tony, because that's it's only for you, because it's never going to broadcast. True. So, I'll, yeah, give me give me 10 minutes. I'll write the rest of the song. <laughs> oh, wow. That quick. So, I yeah, I could write fast. And so, I, I sent it over to him and he's calling me back. He's singing the song. He's dancing around of the room. Course. He says, I need you to come over here. Yeah. Okay. So, I went, I went down to the office and he calls Ted Harbert on speakerphone mm-hmm. from his office. He says, Ted, I need you to listen to this. Just give me 30 seconds. Listen to this. And he plays the song. Right. And Ted Harbert says, that's what I was waiting for. Too many of our shows have stupid, ditzy, meaningless, forgettable theme songs. Right. And main titles, it's just pretty glamour shots of our actors, you know, making goofy faces. And people change channels. Mm. You hire a real main title company to put good picture compelling video to this and you'll be the first show on abc with a theme again wow and i had done a number of series mm-hmm. openings with a company called castle brian johnson and they okay. were they're brilliant mm-hmm. and so i whispered to tony castle brian johnson and <laughs> tony said to ted harbert how about cancel castle brian johnson and uh, ted said you're on Look at that. And that is how we broke that rule of no theme songs right. for Ted. So that, and that, that's an answer to your question. That's how it happened. And it was well-deserved. And by the way, I did not disagree with Ted at the time. Mm-hmm. And I told him that. Yeah. I, I had several series on ABC. And I said, Ted, I don't agree with I don't disagree with you. It's become, you know, people's cousins were writing the theme songs. And it's, mm-hmm. it's come on. So it gave... Maybe more gravitas, maybe more yeah. importance. It elevated the theme song by making it go away for a little bit. That's um, true, yeah. Now, comedies still do that, but I've noticed that a lot of dramas have really wonderful current dramas on mm-hmm. Netflix, you know, and Amazon and Hulu. They have good opening songs so no, i'm do. glad that we've come back or yeah if you if you if you binge watch some of that stuff some of those dramas you'll yep. hear some really really excellent music going down so that's the long answer to that short question again i fear <laughs> I've, I've, I've i've gone on for too long but yeah i was there for that and there for it ending oh man okay we're running short on time 
I could talk to you forever about music and TV series and whatever, but let's get to the weird story of the week, my friend. Okay, let's go. Okay, so most of society is pretty much addicted or can't live without their cell phones nowadays, right? Yeah. Do you consider yourself one of those people, or can you go days without using a cell phone? I just did it in Scotland. Oh, then there you go. Okay, so... Yeah, and I've got a son who's a wilderness kid. Okay. That's what he does. He goes oh, off beautiful. grid and he disappears into the forests and oh, the awesome. mountains for, for weeks at a time in his Jeep. And sometimes I'll go with him. Oh, there you go. And there is no cell reception in the places he goes. I could imagine. So, right? yeah, I am capable of doing it when I'm away from home. But the real answer to your question, when I'm at home, yeah, I'm pretty addicted. I, I count on my phone for a lot of right? just chores and information that's the thing it is in fact you know the first thing my wife gets up earlier than i do okay she she doesn't need as much sleep and she's sure. active <laughs> she's in the gym and so so i'm just kind of laying i wake up and the first thing i do is i you know look at the news and i scroll through my feeds on my phone so yeah i'm one of those people okay yeah i, I could i'm pretty much the same if, if i go somewhere and i know i don't need my phone and like you said like even then when i go away on vacation i'm not on my phone i'm usually on my phone towards the end of the night just to catch up or whatever right so yeah i could so see it both ways but this week's story comes from just outside of seattle as a woman went through the shitter to retrieve her phone literally and, and fell in yes her phone fell into the toilet she was using and she was using, it, it was a vault toilet, which I'm familiar with out in the wild. You know what a vault toilet is? Yeah, it's, it's in, in the ground and then everything just goes down there, right? Yeah, exactly. So that, that's nasty. Like, <laughs> she fell in, she fell, yeah, that I had to check out. Yeah, she, she reaching for her phone and she fell into the vault toilet. That is just nasty. Now we're lo- laughing about it because she survived. Well, of course, but... but- she, she could have asphyxiated from the toxic fumes in there, but she didn't. She was rescued. Well, well, that's because, the thing. And here's how she was rescued. I love the end of this story. She was rescued because she located her phone in the vault toilet and called 911. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm glad you heard about this story, my friend. So now we, like, I don't know about you. Like, if my cell phone fell in a toilet, like a regular toilet... With my own feces in it, I don't mean to be graphic, but I think I would reach in and try and retrieve my phone. You know what I mean? That's my own stuff. Like, you know, but I would not go to her. So for people who haven't heard this story, she tied herself with multiple dog leashes and went in head first. And then the leashes either snapped or unknotted themselves. And she fell in head first into millions, probably of other people's feces and was in there. And yeah, like you mentioned, she called 911. They came and grabbed her. And, and here's, I don't know, like, some people have weird pride. Like, I don't know about you, but if this was me, I wouldn't care about my pride whatsoever. I'd get myself checked out. The paramedics told her to go to the hospital because, like you said, obviously floating in other people's shit is not good for you. Like, but And she refused. She just went home and took a shower. I don't know about you, man. I'd go right to the hospital, and I don't care who's laughing at me or not. I'm getting myself checked out. I don't want, like, all these crazy disease or even long-term effects. Who knows, man? Steve, you know what? Even if you killed someone, I wouldn't turn you in. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's a true friend. <laughs> yes, it's a, it's a bit on Seinfeld. Exactly, yeah. right? <laughs> All right, thanks for bringing, thanks for talking. I love that, that story because she survived. Yeah, exactly. Well, no, I don't bring up, like, sometimes I'll bring up, like, something that's out there. Like, I brought up something, like, in, in morgues and stuff, but it's all in good fun and whatever, and it's nothing, like, yeah. where people get poked at. But, yeah, no, Jonathan, really appreciate you coming aboard, my friend. It was awesome talking to you, all these stories, everything you've created. Again, you are a genius. You are a composer extraordinaire. Where can people find you? Where could people see your work? Plug anything you want to, my friend. I need to update my website. It is woefully out of date. It was just kind of a little toy, amateur, nothing website when I made it. It's SeinfeldMusicGuy.com. I know that's, that's, that's a really subtle, right? They can find me at Seinfeld Music Guy on Instagram or on uh, Facebook, Twitter at Seinfeld Music, Seinfeld Music Guy on TikTok. Come find me, write to me, follow me. I could use some love on my social media. 
Uh, most of my followers are students who've seen me lecture. That's what I do now, by the way. Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a college lecturer. That's awesome. Yeah, I make stuff up. Here's, here's, here's a useless factoid. Okay, throw it. I have lectured at every Ivy League university. Shut up. Honestly? That's yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, including like Harvard Law, right. Columbia Law, of course. UPenn Law, Cornell Law. Now, you notice nowhere in my story did I say I'm a lawyer, because I'm not. Right. But they keep inviting me. I've lectured, I think, four times at Yale. It's wonderful, and I that. love meeting these young people. And wherever I go, and if when I'm at music conservatories, right. and I do a lot of those also, cool. it's fun that the students all know verse and chapter of Seinfeld. Right. So, um, yeah, those are most of my followers, is people who've seen me either speak publicly doing corporate events or doing college lectures. So... I'm happy to be on. I, right now, I'm kind of digging Instagram. Hmm. I just kind of like the platform. Sure. Sometimes when I'm left home alone and unsupervised, <laughs> I'll sit at my piano and I'll turn on the camera and I'll talk and I'll play music oh. that matters to me. There you go. Music from my youth. Um, so go check it out. That's awesome. And for myself, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter under Finger Styles. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, the podcast DAP. Email us your thoughts, suggestions, comments, anything you want to get off your chest at the podcast DAP at gmail.com. Please rewind to the top of the show. Support those fine sponsors because if it helps them out, most definitely helps me out. And most importantly, people, please, if you're listening for the very first time or if you're an every week listener, rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms. One last question before I let you go, my friend. What is your favorite TV series theme of all time that you did not compose? It's a long list. There cannot be one. But as a kid, I really admired Harry Nielsen's work on The Courtship of Eddie's Father. And when we did that Married with Children song, Mm -hmm. John Sebastian was there. And I got to tell him what an influence his Welcome Back Cotter theme was was on my that's a classic yes yeah, and what a great wonderful song and how he welcomed us into that classroom with his song mm-hmm. the words say welcome back mm-hmm. in, in genius how it has double meaning that it's both obviously welcome back mr kata and <laughs> welcome back viewers mm-hmm. to our show and i just thought that was ingenious and by the way John's a very smart guy. He did it on purpose. <laughs> so those were two of them. You know, anything by Henry Mancini, anything by uh, Alan Ferguson and, and Elliot, Jack Elliot. Mm. Great, great, great stuff. You know, they did Barney Miller. Uh, Henry Mancini did Pink Panther and Peter Gunn. Oh, classics. Yep. It's a long list of shoulders that I stood upon to learn how to write TV themes. Yeah, and I, yes, I was a composer for 75 shows, but I only wrote 44 of those themes. So I got to work with some theme writers also. I know. Only 44. That's right. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> like a, like an, a regular person does like 50 or something. You know, only 44. <laughs> oh, that's wow. awesome. On that note, he's Jonathan. I'm Steve. This is the podcast. Peace. Peace.